He died for you. He died for me. From our sin, He set us free. He loved us so. His life He gave. So if we ask, we can be saved. Hello, I'm Rick Hurtless, founder of His Gospel Power. Thank you for joining with the program this week. Merry Christmas. We are in this special time of year that is is so fun and, and so bright and cheery. And I want you to continue during this Christmas season to remember the focus is Jesus Christ. And that is who we are to focus on. We are in the book of Second Peter. We're talking about the last days still, even in this Christmas season, because even in Christmas we are in the last days. And in fact, many events that are happening around the world make us continually look the power of God as we uh, watch the, the current events and all things that are happening. Verse 10 of chapter 2 in Second Peter says, this is especially true. Now we've already actually, we, the, the verses before has already talked about the punishment of the unrighteous on the day of judgment and how the godly will be rescued. Now it says, this is especially true for those who follow the corrupt desire of the flesh and despise authority, bold and arrogant. They are not afraid to heap abuse on celestial beings. And so that, again, once again, describes our culture, that we, uh, that we are, are uh, following the, the corrupt desires of the flesh, which is why uh, people are not, they want their, their gay time and they want their adulterous time and their, their drunkenness and their whatever it is, whatever sin it is against God, they, they want to, to embrace the desires of the, the, of the flesh and despise authority. And that authority, and of course we're seeing the despising of authority so much with uh, President Trump that it's, it's amazing. But our culture has now turned in to a, uh, uh, to me in, in a lot of ways, a third world, a third world way of thinking with, of, uh, how we are treating our, uh, uh, our authority and how we are living in our culture, that we are no longer a republic. In many ways, we're becoming a democracy. And let me tell you the difference. Many have said that we're a democracy for years. That's not true. We are a democratic republic. The difference is, is the democracy virtually would have to vote on every single thing that the president does. The ver- if he wanted to get post-it notes as a democracy, you've got to to um, uh, vote. We'd have to have a vote every single day on what the president could do. And that would go with your mayors, and that would go with your governors and everything else. We have to vote every day on what they do. Instead, what we have is a republic where we have, have voted in a representative of the people to vote on our behalf and tell how the people want them to to react and to act on their behalf. Now, unfortunately, because of the corrupt desires of the flesh, the people that we have voted into office are voting their own way, and they're going for their own greed, and they're going for their own uh, lusts, instead of the way that the people want them to vote, which is the breakdown of our society. So that is what is happening in this verse, especially true for those who follow the corrupt desires of the flesh and despise authority. And really, 
if you think about it, the congressman, the authority for the congressman and the Senate are the people. Because in our democratic republic, the people are their bosses. We elect them to speak on behalf of the people. Now, I am not liberal. I am conservative. But if you are a senator from a liberal constituency, uh, you shouldn't be running for that liberal constituency if you are not willing to go by the lib- what the liberal people of that area are wanting you to vote. Now, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that that is how our system works. Well, now our system is breaking down because we despise authority. We're following the corrupt desires of the flesh. And we are bold and we are arrogant in many ways. Not afraid to heap abuse on celestial beings. In other words, and we see that all the time too, that we make fun of the things of God. We make fun of the things of heaven. We make fun of all things that we do not understand. Well, we are in the last days, and we're in the studio with Brother Ron Stoidel. Merry Christmas, Ron. Well, Merry Christmas, Pastor. We're getting closer every day. I know. Every single day we get here, it gets closer to the 25th. Hey, so you'll love this. I found string lights that are crosses. All right. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Yeah, so I think I'm going to put those up. Good. Well, that sounds cool. Well, and so as this continues, 2.11, yet even angels, although they are stronger and more powerful, do not heap abuse on such beings when bringing judgment on them for the Lord. But these people blaspheme in matters they do not understand. How much do we see that today? Is that everything, well, we already talked about this uh, gay-tivity scene a day or two ago we talked about. Is, is that not blaspheming? It absolutely is. Yeah, and we were talking about this before the program about how atheists or, or pagans love seeing this nativity scene, which I got it. I understand it. They're all completely sacrilegious. But we were talking about wouldn't atheists be more happy if there was nothing there than something that I don't want to say acknowledges Christianity, but is somewhat a symbol of what Christianity. And we were discussing this. We're like, so they're actually acknowledging part of the concept of Christianity at Christmas, and they're more excited about that than an empty lawn. Well, they're still, even whether it's a gay God or not, they're, they're, they're acknowledging there's a God. Right. So you would and think. That's crazy. It's yeah. like, wait a minute. I thought they were atheists. I thought they would be more excited about nothing in somebody's yard than a, at least than the baby any, Jesus well, Christian symbol. Well, and then of course, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the atheist, um, setting up the Satan sign, worshiping Satan, that we should be free to worship Satan at Christmas or something like that. He's putting that sign up in Florida. And that was supposed, an atheist was putting that up. Yeah. Now, how much sense does that make? And so it's the same thing we were talking about the double-minded man yesterday to where now they're going after the congressman and the Hollywood for all of the um, the sexual sins that they are committing, but yet they embrace the, the sexual sins on the other side. And it, it's it's beginning, it's so convoluted, it begins to make you understand what God is talking about here, that there is no, uh, you know, there is no um, understanding of how God wants you to live. There's no recognition of sin in any form or fashion. And when there is, it seems like one contradicts the other. Well, I think it's interesting, and we were talking about this a few few days ago before one of the programs, that it seems like sexual impurity is one of the biggest things in the Bible that it talks about. Like It almost seems like every time we talk about sin in the Bible, 
sexual immorality comes up in it. Yes. It's it's almost like in every scripture about sin. Well, I've followed Judge Roy Moore, who you're talking about, the the former Chief Justice of the Alabama Supreme Court. Well, he's not Supreme. the only one. I'm talking about other congressmen and yeah. Hollywood. Well, I'm, I'm talking about him because yeah. I think his story is completely false about the women accusing him. Is it possible? Yes. From what I understand, every single one of them is getting discredited. But isn't it funny that they're accusing him of the type of sin that Scripture seems to be most adamant about? Why didn't they accuse him of theft or, you know, something else that why right. why are all these attacks always sexually right. motivated? Because I believe that Satan knows what is the most detrimental, what will receive the most impact, and he uses those to attack Christians mainly, but just to expose anybody that he can. So I think that's why they're using this against him. Whether they're true or not, I, I just I think it's interesting that why why is why is it when congressmen and I believe a lot of them are fake they get arrested because they didn't do something the deep state wanted why is it they always find child porn on their computers right it seems like that is uh, <laughs> it's a true it's it's coincidental isn't it yeah it's like oh uh, oh we arrested him because you know he last week he didn't vote for something we wanted oh he's got child porn on his right. computer. Okay, maybe one or two, but why does it seem like almost every time? And maybe that corruption is that deep. I don't know. That's not the point. The point is, is that God sees sexual sin, sexual perversion, is way high up on His list because He knows it destroys lives. Yeah, He knows that people's lives are destroyed because of sexual sin. And we know that Satan imitates God, so he's going to use it in the reverse. God knows how detrimental it is, how important it is to a Christian to a marriage, to to relationships, that Satan's going to use it to destroy Christians. I mean, and, and listen to what it continues to say here in, in verse 12. It says, But these people blaspheme in matters they do not understand. They are like unreasoning animals. Is that Does that describe what we're seeing? Yes. Creatures of instinct, born only to be caught and destroyed, and like the animals, they too will perish. It seems like our society is turning animalistic. Well, if you think about it, we are born into sin. Yeah. So if you're not saved from that sin, it is instinctual. So they will just continue to act out their born instinct. And yeah, it makes sense. And and it, and then con- continuing, it says they will be paid back with harm for harm they have done. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. They are blots and blemishes, reveling, uh, reveling in the, reveling rather, reveling in their pleasures while they feast with you. That describes Hollywood to me, and Hollywood is beginning to fall with all of these sexual th- things coming out. Hollywood has been pushing that for years. The the sin of sex has been a Hollywood icon for years. I mean, and still, I, I would. Going through the grocery line, uh, I don't remember who it is now, but somebody that is the sexiest man. Why has it always got to be the sexiest person? Have you ever thought about that? Who defines it's, that? Well, uh, who defines that? That's true. But I'm just saying, why can't it be the, you know, the, I don't know. I don't know what, what label you could put on that. But our society is so focused on the sexual aspect of lives, the sexual perversions. That excuse me that that happen that um um 
I think that's what God is doing. He's beginning to reveal those sins because they have been pushing them for so long in Hollywood. He let them push themselves over the edge. Exactly. Where they have defined, and it's even, it's a funny thing, even with these congressmen, they have defined what sin is. Because they're saying, wait a minute, these congressmen, look at them over there. They're sinning. And God says, really? Look at all these people over here that are pointing the finger. They're sinning as well. Well, it's that, like it's it's a, he's illuminating all of that sin. And he could have allowed it to happen that way where those he knew he was going to expose, let them basically fall on their own sword. He let them point it out saying, oh, look, look how bad it is. And then God goes, OK, now it's your turn. So they have no excuse. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, and this scripture just goes, it lines right down with all of the things that are happening in the world, as you continue this, this, um, uh, this scripture in verse 14, with eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They are experts in greed and a cursed brood. Now I want to tell you, I'm going to tell you, now all, none of this sexual sin is good, but what has come out also is that many of these did not come forward. Many say, well, wait a minute, why'd they wait 20 years? to come out and say these these things about these congressmen or these uh, producers or whatever, whoever they're accusing. Why did they wait so long? And then they say, well, because they were afraid it was going to hurt their own careers. So you see, really, they are complicit in the sexual sin as well. And in fact, you could even step out at one a little bit further than that and say that almost makes them prostitutes. They are accept- accepting uh, payment for sexual favors and not coming out and saying that there is any, uh, anything wrong with that until 20 years later, until maybe their, their uh, life or their careers are chiseled in stone and it can't hurt them now. And so they're, they're not worried about those big producers hurting them. So see, that's not right either. Uh, they need to come out right away and say, wait a minute, this man's doing, yeah, well, this is going to ruin your career. I don't care. I don't care. This is wrong. We need to stand up because it is wrong. And so why does that happen? Because uh, uh, people are full of sin for themselves and full of lust for what they are doing for their own careers, for their own lives. And they are complicit in that sin of all of those who committed. Well, if you think about those that, let's say the women that it happened to, that aren't saved, they're relying on the security of themselves for their job. If they were Christians, and there may have been some Christians that it happened to, that said, I'm going to trust God, I'm going to call it out, and if I have to move on, I move on. Those that didn't, they became complacent in it because they had to trust in their own ways to survive. So yeah, you make complete sense that you know they they did it because they were trusting themselves and if there were if they were christian then they should rely on god to s- protect them right either there or to move on well yeah. they should be focusing on god and say you know what god i know this was wrong i'm going to confess and when i confess I'm going to bring these other people out um and so at that point you have to trust god to take care of you god you're going to provide for me now because i'm going to do what i'm supposed to do that includes you uh, whatever it is you're doing on your job, whatever you're doing on a daily basis, if you're told that you have to do something on your job that is absolutely against God, then you need to stand up and say, 
that um, uh, you can't do it because of God. If you're a stripper, if you're stripping, and that's your job, and you were you stay well, I uh, I've got to keep stripping or I lose my job. Are you following what God would have you to do, or are you going to? If you get saved and you're a stripper, should you not go into your job and say I can't strip anymore because this is not what God would have me to do? Some I've heard of this where people continue to do and and justify it. They justify their sin. They continue to live in their sin because they say they they say well I, everybody's got to earn a living and so this is just what I do. So I have to earn a living. And even though it's against God, what you're doing, it's against those you're you are being a, a stumbling block to hundreds of men. Hundreds of thousands of men who come across your path on a daily basis. And so, and it goes with all kinds of aspects of life that whenever you are asked to do something that goes against what you should do, then uh, it goes against God, what God would have you to do. God says that do not measure with unequal scales. So if you go in tomorrow and you're flipping hamburgers and the, the menu says that you're giving a half pound hamburger, but the owner says, you know what? We need to make a little bit more money, but I don't want to go up on the price. So we're not going to get that half pound hamburger. It says up there, we're only going to make it a quarter pound, make the patty a little bit bigger. They won't know the difference. Now it's only going to be a quarter of a pound instead of a half pound, but they won't know the difference. I've got to save some money. Should you continue to do that? According to the Bible, no, because you're not supposed to weigh with dishonest scales. And so at that point, you need to make a stand and say, no, sir, uh, I can't do that. You need to make your menu say it's a quarter pound hamburger for the same price now, and then I will do that because you're not lying to your public. It's the same thing, same analogy. You're, you're measuring with dishonest scales or you're not following what God would have you to do. God wants us in the last days to follow what he wants us to do, and sometimes that is painful. Sometimes that hurts, but we are to do it anyway because it is what God wants us to do to be a witness to the lost world. Well, I know a lot of people, and I've seen this, and this doesn't just go to the categories you talked about. This can go to any lifestyle. People have had jobs and established a lifestyle choice. And they think that if they quit that job for whatever reason, whether it's become a, because they become a Christian or their, their job no longer has morals, that if they leave that job, they're going to have to change their lifestyle. They may have to downsize. They may have to get rid of some of their luxuries. Okay, so be it. God's still going to provide your Chances needs. Chances are you will. Yeah, but he's going to provide your needs. Mm -hmm. If he provided you with that job, being faithful to him, and you're still being faithful, he's not going to punish you for continuing to be faithful. You may have to downsize to a smaller need, but you're still going to have your needs. You just may not have your luxuries anymore. Well, that's the whole thing is you're following your need. God says he'll give us our needs. Right. Now, he does say he'll give us the desires of our heart. He does say that. Right. But the thing about the desires of your heart is that that desire of your heart really only, uh, it's desire of your heart should focus on God. So when you become saved, if before you were saved, the desire of your heart was a three-story mansion and a Rolls Royce, after you get saved, the desire of your heart will begin to focus on something totally different. It will focus 
on the love of God and what he wants for your life, which may not include a three-story house and a Rolls Royce. It probably won't. Well, it's, if possible, it could. But for the most part, it probably won't because you're no longer focusing on material possessions. You're focusing on spiritual issues of God. Well, we can use the example of Job. What happened to him? He was a wealthy man. And God allowed him to be tempted to the point where he lost everything. And and you could to see a yeah, tested to see if he would remain faithful to God. So he God allowed Satan to take all his possessions. And that may be to modern today, you may be fairly well off or wealthy and you have to run into a situation like that where maybe your employer becomes unfaithful to God or immoral and you have to step away. Maybe you have to downsize a little. Maybe you probably won't have to worry about as much as Job did. But just think about what happened to Job because he remained faithful to God through all the turmoil that he went through. The loss of his children, the loss of his his lifestyle, where he was basically a beggar on the street, diseased. But afterwards, God replaced everything multiple times yes. what he had. Yes. So God is faithful in that as long as you remain faithful. It may just be that he's testing you to make sure that you remain faithful. But as long as you're doing the right thing, he will remain faithful to you. I mean, he says if you're faithful in the small things, he'll be faithful in the large things. So so you've got to just remain faithful. That's and it. really, once you get your eyes off of your material possessions, that is our culture. And really, that's become a worldly culture now. I mean, around the world culture, I would think. Uh, people want the worldly possessions because they think that's what's going to make them happy. Instead, I mean, use Hollywood as a great example. Those people in Hollywood that you see the icons, the people that are on the tabloids and that are on the magazines, those people have it all. They have everything that everybody wishes for. They have the, the beautiful women, the handsome men, the money, the cars, uh, everything, the yachts. You just name it. It's just uh, at their, it's like it's a, a grab bag for them to just go in and take. And instead, what they are the leader, leaders in divorce and they're the leaders in suicides and they're the leaders in, um, uh, you know, they lose all their money and all of these things. It's like none of it makes them happy. They're searching and they're searching and they're searching and nothing makes them happy because they're searching for the wrong thing. And once you search for the right thing, who is Jesus Christ and allow him to fill your heart, then then you begin to understand what's important and your desires change. The desire of your heart changes. The desire of your heart is no longer the big bank account. The desire of your heart is no longer the big mansion or the cars. The desire of your heart is focused on Christ and him uh, and, and professing him to others, the power of the gospel, so that they might come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Well, I've got a scripture for those that are concerned if you may have to go through this situation someday. And it's John fourteen twenty seven. Actually, I'm going to start back at 25. All the, Jesus is speaking here. All this have I, I have spoken while still with you. So you know he's saying it. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus himself said it right there. 
if you remain faithful to him, you will have peace in every situation that you go through, and he will bring you through faithfully. And while you're in that situation, he says the Holy Spirit, which to me, the simplest way we've described him is the Holy Spirit is kind of our conscience, our spiritual uh, conscience. While you're in these situations, the Holy Spirit will remain with you, reassuring you that of what Jesus is going to do for you. And really, and you can even go further than that. The Holy Spirit also gives you that that power to walk through that. But yes, that is probably the simplest the, for you to understand. If you're not familiar with the Holy Spirit, begin to pray about that. Seek God. Tell him to reveal more of the Holy Spirit to you. But yes, a conscience is a good way to describe it as far as an initial start. But then once you begin to study a little bit more about the Holy Spirit, you begin to find that it's your guidance. It is your counselor. It is the one who tells you to go left or to go right. It was the one who told me to get out of bed at four in the morning. Uh, and it was the one who continued to say, you need to get out of bed because I have something for you. That's basically what he was trying to say. So you begin to walk in that power uh, so that you understand when when God himself is speaking to you. Jesus said, my sheep will know my voice. That means he still speaks to us today, and he does it many times through the power of the Holy Spirit as as the voice of Jesus comes to us and helps us to do things like get out of bed when we're supposed to, or like to turn left instead of right, or what and allows us to continue to make the decisions he would have us to make so that we can have the abundant life in him. And that abundance is an abundance that leads us to the life that will make us the most happy, even though we don't recognize it in the beginning many times. I mean, even like Job, he did not recognize that that would have, uh, would have actually still led him to a happy life. That uh, Or Joseph is another good example in the Bible, uh, in the Old Testament. And of course, I don't have that much time to talk about Joseph. However, if you're not familiar with Joseph in the Old Testament, read about Joseph. He was a man of the man who wore the coat of many colors. His brothers got jealous of him. They was sold into slavery because he was um, uh, a slave. He rose to the the uh, top of Potiphar's house, and um, he was put second in command in Potiphar's house. He was wrongly accused by Potiphar's wife, and uh, and he was sent to prison. And he had to go to prison. He became he rose to the top of the ranks in prison like the highest trustee, I guess you would say, in prison. And because of that, he was able to get an audience with the Pharaoh to uh, to reveal a dream to the Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh, of course, then put him at second in command only to Pharaoh. Well, because of all the hardships Joseph went through that he didn't see at the time as good things, God used for his glory and to, to and he able to, was able to bless Joseph the same exact thing god will use the the mistakes that you make in your life to bless you once you recognize the power of the holy spirit and being able to walk in that power and making the turns as god tells you which way to go yeah and joseph actually just didn't even bless his family he was actually saved the israelites because of his faithfulness not only to god but also to Pharaoh, because he, he was under Pharaoh's rule, which was secular, but he was able to bless a nation, his nation and, and Egypt, and Egypt That's right. 
That's right. Because, because of we, the famine. Because if he hadn't revealed that dream to him, then Egypt would have gone through the famine with nothing. Yeah. So God was able to use him as an example to a pagan nation of what God well, can and do. And so what happened? Pharaoh, who was a pagan, blessed Israel, who was God's chosen. And because of that, Pharaoh was blessed. Egypt was blessed. Yeah. And it's, and we can be that way God to works. the world now. That's right. We can be a blood. Don't just think you have to be a blessing to fellow Christians, fellow believers. If God blesses you in a way that you can bless unbelievers, don't hold back because that's the testimony that you can give that may turn them around. Absolutely. You know, God wants you to be a blessing to those that you encounter. Make it your your goal this Christmas season to bless people that you come in contact with. Put a smile on your face. Tell them Merry Christmas. Tell them Jesus loves them. Uh, Spread the gospel of Jesus Christ through your countenance and your words. Do not be able, do not be afraid to stand up and say, Merry Christmas and, and I, Jesus loves you and I'm praying for you. Whatever words you need to use for people to know that you serve a great and mighty God. Do not become part of the world that becomes happy holidays and leaves Jesus Christ out of the equation. So that's about all the time that we have for the broadcast. Once again, if you would like to join uh, with, uh, if you'd like to, to download these um, messages on a daily basis to your phone, you can do that on iTunes or you can do that on the uh, Google apps and you can put that on your phone so you might listen to our messages every day on your phone or, of course, hisgospelpower.org. If you would like to donate, please go to hisgospelpower.org, click on the donate button, of course, on the apps. You can do the same thing. You can donate to the ministry and purport uh, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. This message of uh, his gospel power goes around the world. We reach all parts of the world with the gospel. So if you'd like to be a part of that, we would uh, be very appreciative. And I know that you will be blessed for that because as we continue to spread the gospel, it becomes a blessing for you as well. So thank you for joining with us today. Until next time, I pray you receive his gospel power today. With shouts of loud obscenities, they did not understand. Man who bore the cross for them, walked a guiltless man. A godless man named Pilate understood his innocence. So-called godly men of this world Boldly pronounced his sentence His lonely walk through town brought shouts And weeping sighs But Jesus walked on boldly Giving warning with his cries He said, it's not for me that you should but only for yourselves If men do these things when the tree is green What will happen when it dries? Go God the zeal The heal of guilt and shame Go God the zeal
prepared to hang him on the cross. The soldiers walked with him, but knowing somewhere deep inside, this man he has no sin. But asked to play a role, they cast lots and called him names. But as he dies, they realize this man. Bears no shame. 